just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. This is Eyewear, built for the digital age, and Back to the Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in the show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know that you will feel the difference. Welcome to the show. Before we get started, you might notice my voice sounding a little different to normal. I'm using an incredible tool that allows me to deepfake my voice and be able to type out what I'm going to say. I can make corrections if I say the wrong word or want to rephrase a question to a guest. Don't worry though, I can't fake anyone else's voice. Only those who have gone through voice profiling or I can use preloaded voices. This service is a great tool for podcasters and audio content creators. You may not want to do your whole show with it yet or to have it read your audiobook, but it can help you tremendously with your editing. If you'd like to try Descript out for free, check out the link in the show notes. I think you'll agree that that's a pretty amazing tool. Don't worry, this is real Johnny now, and you can probably tell by the cadence in my voice. Although Overdub is very effective, it doesn't sound quite completely natural yet, so you may not want to use it for too long. There is something I want to share before we start the show, which is that I am having a much stronger focus with the show now on influence and persuasion, and this is very much due to feedback from people who have been listening to and enjoying the show, saying that they really would like to know more about that, that this is an area that many people are often searching around for information in, and they love when we have episodes that focus particularly on influence and persuasion. So you're going to see that much more in the show as we go on with future episodes, and I'll keep bringing in influence and persuasion experts there's some incredible ones coming up in fact for my 100th episode which is coming up very soon i have a professor of rhetoric i'm so excited to have him on the show and to be sharing that with you as well and also to be hitting 100 shows i can't believe we're nearly at 100 already I hope you'll enjoy this show, which is an area that I've often done work and sales training around and both receiving it and giving it, to be honest, which is telephone sales, making those phone calls, particularly cold calls. People hate it. People do not love making cold calls. And often we'll find every way possible to get out of making them. Some people really struggle to get their businesses started because they struggle to make the calls, to actually just pick up the phone and have the conversations. Is it fear of rejection? Is it just general fear of making phone calls? Is it shyness? What is it? What's behind all that? And how do we overcome it and even become 
excellent at making calls and even cold calls to grow business. If you thought cold calling was dead, think again. My guest today is Wendy Harris and she is an expert in making calls, especially in an age where everybody is trying to do everything digitally and very impersonally. You can make a much stronger connection. Find out how in today's show with Wendy Harris. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show about persuasive presentation skills and ethical influence for today's business leaders. If you're a coach, speaker, online course creator, you have any kind of digital presence, you want to make sure you are building your list. Now, the simplest and easiest way to do that is ConvertKit, and you can find a link in the show notes. It's free to start, and it's simple to use. Get your list building started today with ConvertKit. Welcome to Speaking Influence. And if you have ever had any fears about picking up the phone to make sales calls or knowing what to say or how to get those conversations started with new customers, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to do something about that with someone who has some great expertise in this area. My guest today is Wendy Harris. Wendy is a phone sales trainer. She has over 30 years of experience, over a million calls made. She's definitely the person to speak to. She is the host of the Making Conversations Count podcast and a former Beaver leader with the Scout. So we better make sure that we are we are ready to beaver away and get into it today. Wendy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me on, Johnny. It's great to be here. It's, it's a real pleasure. Now, this is an area that whilst I've had some sales conversations and chats on the show, never talked about sales training or sales calls on the show before. So I'm really excited to do that because in terms of the audience for this show, uh, a huge part, if not most of the audience are probably in business for themselves or having to make sales calls or dread of their aspect of their work. And so that's one of the reasons I've been very much looking forward to speaking to you today. Can you, for the audience's benefit, give us a, a little bit more of insight into what you do and who you do it for? Okay, I have two clear audiences, and that is that I help corporate teams that are tasked specifically to outreach to customers, and which is great, especially when those uh, individuals are happy to do better and not just be on the training because their boss has said that they've got to have some training because that usually means that they fear that they're doing something terribly wrong. And of course, it's good to remember that we can continue to tweak and improve all the time. Even I still learn things after 30 odd years. And the other uh, audience that, that I love working with is owner managed businesses who know that they need to do this stuff for themselves and would sometimes rather do the accounts than pick up the phone and talk to a stranger. So it, it is about helping people shift that attitude and their approach to how they talk to, to these people that they've never met before. I think most business owners that I know would, would probably rather sit on a red hot poker than, than make the sales. It is something that people have a lot of fear around and, and really hate doing and will almost do anything to try and avoid. Why do you think that is? Do you know, I think it's because we have been on the receiving end of so many bad examples of somebody trying to flog you something down the phone. 
And usually when you think of those bad examples, it's because they haven't done their research. You are not in the marketplace or the right person to be speaking to. So why would you ring and try and tell me how wonderful you are without even checking if it's me? A great example is in the B2C world where you get somebody ring and say, I'm ringing you about that accident that you had in your car. We've all had them. And my stock response to that now is, oh, you mean the one I died in? (laughs) It's kind of because I've never been in an accident. They've just got a phone list and they're just ringing everybody. So it's about being smart about who it Mm. is that you're wanting to speak to and that they should really have a need for what it is that, that you can help solve whatever problem it is that your service does. So if you consider the other options are that we're having to make sales calls, you're not really. You're just looking to introduce yourself and find out about them. Once you can change that approach and change that attitude, then people are more than happy to tell you about themselves. I think that's it. That that inherent resistance does seem to be that we we have an expectation that people hate receiving sales calls because we probably do as well. And like you said, because we have received so much. How do you start to fix that? I think when you start to unpick it and say, I've got a product or a solution that is going to really help this particular marketplace, So I need to get to the person in that marketplace that would look after choosing that product or service and putting their needs first. And if you consider that you are in a relationship, like taking somebody on a date, you're not going to get married, are you? That first date, it's unlikely. Hopefully not. It's the same with a sales call. You're not going to ring up and go, buy my, it's the best on the market because we're going to go, well, hang on a minute. We've only just met. I don't know you from Adam. Yes, you probably have interrupted me from 10 billion other things that I need to get done. But if, you know, I need to find out about how you do things. Is this something that you're considering already? Have you done it already? What are the uh, thought processes around what we offer? and consider yourself more of an educator and a teacher, then the sales side of things drops away. And it's that persona that that you can then become yourself. And you don't need to put a posh telephone voice or anything like that. You really just match and mirror how they speak at their speed or be yourself as, as much as you can. There is thing, and I guess I've seen it more in online programs and webinars and online event sales and stuff, where you, maybe in networking as well, to some degree, having a great, you're teaching, you're sharing great information, and it's a, a really good thing. And then all the energy shifts. Suddenly you're going into sales mode. Then it's like, a bit icky, a bit horrible. And, and I think it's like the same kind of thing that you're talking about of if you go into this with the I'm doing sales mentality, that's pretty much the wrong place to be starting. If you can see the end is that you've helped yet another person fix a problem, then the how you got kind of falls away. Yeah. And if you can put the customer's journey into an an ideology that that would be how you would like to be treated, then all of that hard-hitting sales drifts away. 
all of that arrogance, all of that aggression just melts because you just want to do a good job. We, and we all just want to be helpful at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Over the last year, I guess people have been at home a lot more. Has, has that been a, a good thing when it comes to phone sales or, or not so much? It's a bit of a mixed bag. And I would say that some companies have had a real uh, awakening that actually to have a phone call means that they're connected with another human being. So they're encouraging giving out mobile numbers, they're setting up their telephony a little better these days so that they can. You know, transfer it out to their mobile so you're getting people willing to actually answer the phone yet there are other companies that are saying look because we're struggling with our infrastructure if you know their direct number and if you have their mobile reach out to them directly otherwise you've got to resort to other tactics so Mm -hmm. it kind of on the company and and how they want to operate but in the main the conversations when you do get them are much better. Yeah, and I would have imagined that to be the case, that you get called up by somebody and you're stuck at home, some people on their own or with not much to do or maybe having to wrangle the kids as well as everything else that you're supposed to be doing, you work from home, stuff like that. It might be a welcome break from the outside Absolutely. world. So you can appreciate it. if he's done if he's done right and he's done he's done nicely, not some yes. horrible, hey, we'll talk to you, let's talk to you about that accident you had kind of call, then yeah, yeah it's going to be uh, a welcome respite. Emotions have been a bit more extreme. So where tolerance would have been a little happen on if you haven't, you're going to be more likely to be a little more aggressive in that I didn't happen to me. Yeah. Because the last few months and so have, have taught us is that time is incredibly precious to us. Yeah. And as anyone who's in sales and anyone who is looking for customers, you must respect their time as much as you do your own. One of the hardest parts with all this, I know, is, is actually starting the conversations. And I know that you have uh, ways to help people to do that, to get in that right mindset. How, how do you even begin? That what, what would you say is the right way to start the conversation? I usually say something along the lines of, hey, Johnny, I'm calling from Speaking Influence. I'd love to introduce what we do here. I know you're all about communication and we've got some great tools that can help with that. How do you communicate at the moment? What sort of tools do you have? That, that's a, a great way to answer it because you want to, I want to answer that question. Yeah, I, I like that. So, yeah. so it really is being very clear on your, your purpose for calling and asking a question that hopefully they want to answer. Yeah. In some instances, I've worked for clients in finance and uh, the communications. Uh, they're usually heavily you know, involved in a contract that could be three or five or seven years long. So if I introduce myself to you as, as somebody who's a contract, I go, hey, Johnny, I'd love to introduce what we do around our finance contracts. But I need to find out first and foremost, if you've got one in place and how long ago you did that. Because what I'm doing is I'm saying, if you've done it in the last six months, we'll come back to you. I'm not going to start trying to tell you all about it today because you're not going to be interested. Your to-do list and your priorities are going to be so much Mm. different. And they'll remember the fact that you didn't try to push that point 
And usually then you're invited to get back in touch. But just drop me some details in the meantime, because if it goes wrong, get in touch with you. That's usually the invitation that you yeah. get. So it's just shifting that approach. Okay. Now, I, I can remember having some sales trainings where they, they, there's been a big focus on mindset. Do you think that's particularly important here? And if it is, what is the right kind of mindset? If you're having a really, really bad day, just don't do it. If you can't sit up in your chair and put your shoulders back and put a smile on your face, even if you've had something else going on, if you can't do that, else to do. But usually it it is about getting into a, a physical habit of sitting up straight and putting a smile on your face because already the way that you talk has taken on a life of its own. It's got that enthusiasm and the passion that you have in what it is that you're doing. And people tend to mirror that. So that mindset is really important in your approach to things, definitely, Johnny. So a lot of what you talk about is is primarily to do with over-the-phone interactions. And so, of course, there are some important parts of communication missing with phone, unless you're on a a Zoom call. And even then, it's a bit limited, which isn't really there so much. The the, in-person able to talk, how much much does that impact the conversation? And, And are there things you do, you talk about, people mirroring that are there things that you specifically do to aim to get that i mean it's, it's it would be of interest to, to but i'm slightly deaf in this ear because i've had a headset on this ear for many many years and in actual fact your ears are great instruments it's gone deaf is because it's realized that it needs to put all its effort into listening with this ear so a lot of the time now I will be on speakerphone because I'm in a private office I could be on speakerphone because I'm trying to retrain this ear to hear again so the the point that, that I'm making is that in actual fact when you only have listening to rely on you work harder at listening to be able to hear those things and something that for is have have a Zoom conversation at the beginning of your relationship if that's the way to go because you'll get a certain amount of body language and tonality from when somebody's speaking to you from Zoom. But when it comes to, to keeping that relationship going, transfer it to phone because you already know a lot of that inflection and your brain will be receptive to how they're speaking yeah. on the phone. So I know that that doesn't answer when you're speaking to somebody cold But what happens over time is because you practice it, you recognise it even in strangers, the what they say and how they say things, to be able to surround with just subtleties in how you're speaking. As someone with a great deal of experience in this area, how much of a difference it makes whether the the call is warm or cold? Like if you, someone like you who knows what you're doing uh, and has great experience that, does it just make no difference at all or or is it just that bit easier? (laughs) easier or lazier I'm never quite sure now of course I help people and I show them how to use LinkedIn to warm up uh, a connection and take that into the real world to to have a conversation that's because that's in people's comfort zones for me personally and that's just because I've been doing it for a very long time I think if you've got the right attitude and the right approach then you can speak to people cold and if your intention is to only introduce yourself and create a best first impression, then you let that customer lead the journey in terms of 
when the right time is or when they may looking at that project, when the contract's up, you know, the variables are, are endless. And then all you need to do is make sure that you keep your promise in that mm. follow-up because you're starting a journey together. You've got to keep on that journey until such time that they do become a customer because if you expect it, that very first call, you've failed already. That's good advice. I like it. For those people who maybe feel that they do need a bit more easing in, some points that you can share, I know you, you teach this stuff, but you could share that might be uh, give people a few clues as to how to do that. In my book, I start with numbers. And if it's something that you've been putting off doing, you're effectively at ground zero. So set yourself a challenge one call a day. By the end of the month, you'll have made 20 calls. You may have made more calls than that because you won't have gotten them the first time that you've tried, but you can at least find out when the best time is to catch them in the office or how the best way is to get in touch with them. Now, that's 20 more people than you had when you started. So you can start to then build that up. I did a a power-up session with a chap this week and he was failing to pick up the phone because he was worried about them answering and what to say. Now, usually it is because the chances are eight out of ten times you're going to get voicemail. So leave a message to say, it's nothing important. I was just hoping to catch you for a quick chat. I'll try again. Because if you leave it as a, just a missed call and you try again as a missed call, you're that salesperson that doesn't want to tell them that you're trying to sell them something. Right. So they're more likely to answer the, the call if they've heard your voicemail message saying, wasn't it anything important? I just wanted to chat. Yeah. And, and so does that make it more important to, uh, in the world where we in businesses, I guess we tend to have landlines, although there are no homes anymore. I know on mobiles, people won't always answer unrecognized numbers to myself. Does that be of an issue for phone sales? Um, yes, but that has been something that's been around for many years right. since caller ID even on on the office phones, that they've had that ability who's calling and it can bring up the customers on their CRM packages and things like that. But I think it's become almost like a second nature habit to screen your calls. So if you're going to be making a call out, that is your first impression. If you don't leave a message, what kind of first impression are you leaving? And that's where I question people and say, would you rather be the missed call where they're going, hmm, that's probably somebody trying to sell me something. Oh, she sounds all right. She doesn't sound threatening. She just wants to have a chat. No harm in that. We have here here in Spain where I live, I I regularly, once I see certain people get hold number and the lights there, there's certain abuses that are allowed here that I know aren't allowed in the UK. And so I regularly get calls from people pretending, or I'm not even sure if they're pretending, or if they're actually like collection agencies, like they want money. And uh, I know I don't owe them any money. So uh, they're just trying their luck. And yet they will always leave messages, but they're always these robot, robocall messages. 
Oh, yeah. Automation has crept in to our lives in yeah. all corners, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and that's, I guess, is an issue as well. Like people, we talk about people wanting connection and relationship earlier, and automation does not create that. But I know that some of no. the training that involves in sales calls does involve scripts. How do you do scripted kind of calls in a way that don't end up becoming robotic? And I think probably most of us have had that kind of experience of having a conversation with someone who's working from a script and they really do not want to deviate from it. This is where I think a lot of um, time and effort is missed in making sure that staff have got full product awareness and also real examples and it was funny because I was talking about this on a customer service webinar with the British Library and saying that it was aimed at helping startup businesses and I was saying that even if you've started up a business you've got some prior experience so you talk about those experiences because you're on those skills in whatever it is that you're doing so when you're talking to a customer about how your product or service can help You've got to be able to relay that story in such a way that they will understand and be able to imagine that being implemented in their own company. So having this and and testimonials from your customers about how that affected them is a great way for your customers to actually be helping you sell you. And then on the phone or social proof online, because on your website, because that's what people want to know is, well, how did it make the, their, how does it make their customers feel? Will it make me feel that way too? Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people like to do more social media outreach or email outreach connections. I guess it feels a bit easier to do. It's not quite so personalized. It's, it's pre-planned out there, but that maybe is part of, the problem with it as well and so many people do it things get lost in emails all the time uh, everyone's doing social media marketing and, and stuff online phone calls actually having a conversation with people actually maybe stands out a bit more now that other than the people who clearly abuse those systems people when you actually do speak to a real person we don't often we don't so often have those phone calls anymore that Perhaps it's something that isn't being used nearly as much as it could be. Is it something that actually can help you to stand out? Yes, I do think that there is a place for email marketing because it wouldn't exist. It's like everything. We've got to use everything in conjunction with and you've got to strategize what tools to use and at what time. A conversation has to be the stickiest kind of marketing that I know. Because when somebody asks you a a question, who do you know that I could go and book a a flight and hotel somewhere? You will remember the conversation before you remember a a social media post or an email that you've received or or an advert. I I would say that adverts on the television, that that kind of medium is probably as powerful as a conversation. The story is being played out to you isn't it for you to be able to remember there's always those books yeah especially if you are a part of it yeah that's that's even more hooked in rather than just uh, something if you are a bit engaged in it it's going to be more memorable because that is a part in life so sure yeah that that makes a lot of sense where where do people tend to go 
wrong with this though? I mean, I know there's the hesitancy and the resistance to it. And maybe we said about going into the sales too soon, but what are the other things that perhaps people struggle with in this area? Aside from generally there's a lack of experience. So sales isn't necessarily rewarded financially to the, the employee. And the employee wants just needs a job. And until you've cut your teeth, nobody's going to invest in any training on you because it's just cost them to recruit you. And I think that's a bit of a backwards kind of approach to things that, yes, it may be in a separate, ultimately, if you can set up a culture for people to want to get your product into the right people, helping the right people, then people will do a good job. Partly partly because I feel that necessarily the sort of C-suite see the importance or remember the importance of what they had to do back in their day, or that the marketplace has changed, things are, are done differently. I've been doing this since 1989. And I remember the fax coming in, and that was really exciting. We'd all stand in queue to send a fax, when it was much quicker to just pick up conversation. And I've seen email marketing come in. I've seen social media platforms come in. You're set up to fail almost if you're not careful, because if you don't have the right kind of support, and whilst I train in this, I do programs where it's coached, it's mentored, it's supportive and it's based world, not not just me telling you a technique and go and do it. It's yeah. we work together. I don't see it happening enough. Yeah. Do you do you think a lot of people are missing a trick and not do could really benefit from it? Oh definitely. And I do believe that businesses have the idea that what they do with their market will generate sales. Sometimes they're very reliant on it being an inbound inquiry from their marketing. And they could be just that little bit proactive and turn that into an outreach in a very personal way Mm. than a very salesy way. Do, Do you hear all sorts of excuses from people as to why they don't do it? Oh, yes. Oh, I didn't have because I was on a Zoom. I emailed them. A classic is when the boss says, so, you know, you've got X, Y, Z people that you've, you're you saying that are going to come on board. Where are oh, well, I, I haven't heard anything back, so I've emailed them. So why have you not asked a question? There's clearly, a, there's clearly something that they don't understand and don't feel comfortable in asking the question because they feel that they should understand it by now. So it's actually just stopping the sale. Mm. That's interesting. I'm curious what, in your opinion, makes people persuasive on sales calls? I'm not sure about the persuasive. Yes, I think you do. I think you have to know, not just believe, you have to know that it's the right thing for your customer. If right. you win and you get commission, that's a bonus. That's just a byproduct. So that persuasiveness has to come in at a point where it's in the customer's best interest. 
Which is a great way to be thinking about it. Yeah, I, I certainly encourage people not to think about it just in terms of sales at all costs, which I think is what people, a lot of people have in mind. That mm. sales for the person who needs it almost isn't really sales, right? I, mean, obviously, I was hearing no. sales training, sales is service. It, it, and if you do it from perspective, it is. Finding out what people want, giving people what they want, those, those aspects and elements are important. But do you think things like uh, people's phone confidence or their voice have a particular impact on results as well? Certainly accents can. I know some of the overseas call centres don't do so well. Some really big brands have had their call centres overseas and had to bring them back because customers just couldn't understand the dialect and the transference from their language English. So that certainly has a big impact. There are some accents that people with, and if you could just bottle that or get people to speak with that accent, they do really well. People love Welsh. Um, Peaky Blinders, back the the Black Country. Yeah, it just, you, you'll hear that some people will say for Paul, the Scouse accent is a little bit harsh on the ears, but then other people will say, actually love it. And I think it's when you start to listen to people that they almost sing when they're talking. And that's what people sort of tap into. I think that's where that human connection happens. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm from uh, the north originally. From, I was born in Manchester, but you know, I lost my accent a long time. It can come back if I talk to the right people. It comes back very yes. quickly. And all my family are in the Liverpool, Merseyside area, but it's a very sing-song. It's very nice to listen to. And even Yorkshire as well has sense of that as well. So I can see why those are perhaps appealing accents from, from the range of UK accents yeah. up there. But south of the country tends to be a bit flatter, a bit a bit less vocal variety, as we're saying in Toastmasters clubs, it uh, goes. All right, fascinating. I've as well where had quite a male account manager and a few female account managers. The one was very the one female was very quiet. She was a bit shy, but she was very sure about when she was talking about things and that was fine. Uh, and the male account manager, he was quite uh showmanship. He would stand and his arms would be going at his desk. And we had this conversation about how there's certain accounts that they're supposed to look after and so they're given a pocket here and there came about that that uh, this the, the chap said yeah some I just don't seem to get anywhere with and what he was pointing out was that it was the personality types that went opposite to him and the lady in in the team said yeah and I sometimes struggle with the ones that are just like quick fire quick fire and I went well there's an obvious solution you just swap accounts and give each other the opportunity to win to your strengths. And that's what they did. And they started swapping accounts left, right and centre. And of course, you know, their, their sales conversions went up. If you are a, a one man, one woman, one person business, and you have no choice but to do all the sales calls yourself, but you are a particular personality type that works well with people who are more that kind of personality type, you create better rapport with people who aren't if you don't have the luxury of handing over those calls to, to someone who's perhaps more suitable. This may not be what people want to hear, but people tend to buy from people. So if you can do absolutely everything you can to show that you are honest and authentic and genuine, 
then after that point, you're not going to win everybody anyway. So it's likely that you will start target audience. So instead of looking to spatagon your approach and speaking to everybody, that you actually get a little bit more targeted and you focus on the types of business that naturally have those mm. types of qualities attached to them. And you will find... Do you think about them like maybe gets taught in your linguistic programming trainings where they might tell you more to focus on matching and mirroring the, like the tonality, the tempo, the pitch of the voice, things like that. Do you think that could make any difference or is that maybe a bit, uh, actually not so much? Definitely. And I think I probably take it for granted that I do all of those things anyway, because that anybody that you're talking to, if they're, if they're excitable and they're talking very quickly, then you start talking very quickly with them and you, you get very excited too. So you, you, you've got to almost allow yourself to be in the moment of that conversation and let yourself be carried along by how they are leading. And if they're just sat back and then, yes, yes, then you be self-assured and going, hey, well, that's what we'll do there. You know, so I think you do that yeah. automatically, but you probably haven't noticed that you do it. And if you haven't noticed that you do it, start to take more notice and you'll get better at it. It's like anything, if you don't do it, you're not going to be practicing. Yeah, I think that's the, one of the hobbies about accents so quickly off people is that I do that without without necessarily noticing it and, and I hopefully never do it to a point where somebody thinks I'm making a joke or anything like that. Uh, I just have a, a tendency to pick up strong accents from other people, especially if they're from the north yeah. of England. It's a, it's a very easy one for me to fall into. Things like you know, matching and mirroring the, the tempo, the pitch, the uh, style of the conversation is something probably most of it is like natural empathy and rapport skills that we build up with people but if you're not doing that or if you're just going in like all guns blazing or, or always super calm it could be good to have a bit of a play with adjusting your communication style and and having that awareness of maybe I can match and mirror a bit more of the person I'm speaking to that's, that's interesting. There's a lot of psychology that goes in behind just making that good first impression, isn't there? There, there really is. There, there really is. Now, I know you have a podcast as well. We mentioned earlier, it's called Making Conversations Count. What, what do you generally talk about in your podcast? I like to invite business leaders who have, to all intents and purposes, become experts at what they do. And they talk a little bit about what they do. But the main point of the show is for them to share one conversation that has created a turning point for them. And the vulnerability that, uh, that comes from them having to think back to that conversation, and sometimes we've got more than one, and what happened next is a, is a banana that we're all human and we all have adversity to overcome. Mm. And it's the power of having a conversation that can almost the what I'm going to do next because I've said it out loud it's real now I can tackle that challenging situation and I've had all sorts of pivotal moments if you like from guests talking about baby loss their sister being murdered sorts of challenges hidden from the business perception right. and what they put out as an impression 
but they've all been through something. And as we all have had a story that has affected us quite deeply and they trust to tell me all about it to help people that may be feeling the same. That sounds like a a great show and uh, well worth checking out. You mentioned you have a a book as well, and I'm guessing that's maybe more along the the sales call training. Yes, it is. It's what I have been teaching for many years. It's a lot of what I do in my power at one-to-ones. It's everything that I could get out of my brain to help people to make a start without actually being in front of them. So it's the DIY version of my training. Okay, and, and the book's called? Making Conversations Count. There you go. So you've got some solid branding there. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> thinking. Oh, keep it all the same thing. People know who that is then and what you're about. Yes. What if somebody would like to get in touch with you? Maybe they would like some of themselves or perhaps they have a team. They think, Wendy, you clearly know your staff. I need you to come and help my team. How can people get in touch with you? They'll find me hanging out on LinkedIn most days. I'm Wendy Ann Harris. That's my handle there. You can look at the website. That's all the w's.wagassociates.com. But please just pick up the phone. Let's just have a chin wag. Because you never know where a conversation will lead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you give a call, <laughs> even get a few handy pointers. Well, that, that's really fantastic. So your own book is going to be a great resource for, for people to check out to get more information about this. Are there any other books or resources that you would recommend people who might be wanting to learn more about this to check out? Yes, definitely. There's I have the telephone influence test conversationscount.scorecards.com, I think. Um, If you just message me, I'll send you the link. Once you've completed that test, I will send you by email all my tips by download. It's in a PDF version. You can have it for free and you can do your worst with it. (laughs) I'll make sure when this comes out as a podcast episode, I'll make sure that are in the show notes for that that and for your your course and and for your LinkedIn profile as well so people can come and connect with you. Thank you, Before we finish up for today, uh, is there anything you'd like to leave people with as closing words? What would happen if you didn't pick up the phone in your business? Hmm. A great question to leave people to think about, Wendy. It has been an absolute delight to speak to you. I've learned a lot. I hope that people watching and listening have learned a lot from this too. And please go and check out Wendy. Check out Making Conversations Count. Check out us. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Wendy, thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you so much, Johnny. Appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, please make sure you put something into action that you learned here today. And of course, subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. If you'd like to support the show, one of the best ways for you to do that is to share our episodes with your network. Now, of course, share the episodes that you love, perhaps more than the ones that you don't. But word of mouth makes a huge difference to us. And you can now support the show financially as well, even just by buying me a coffee. For five US dollars a month, you can help make the Speaking Influence podcast an even bigger and better show. 
There's also a membership level where you can get exclusive access to our live stream recordings to be in the virtual studio with us and exclusive Q&A time with our show guests, as well as advanced information of the shows and guests that are coming up. To do that, visit the Supercast page in the show notes or in the YouTube description. For now, see you next time and go and make great things happen.